0: Everybody, first of all, thank you for tuning into the Flightpath Podcast. My name's Tom Barclay, and today we interviewed Paz Pazarski. She's fantastic, and I really did enjoy this interview, and I re- even more enjoyed looking over the final edit. I think you're going to love this. Now, if you could, a rating would mean the world. Obviously, you don't have to, but if you could rate this podcast five stars, it would really mean the world to me and my team. And if you want to go the extra mile, you can follow us on Instagram at the Flightpath Pod. Again, it's a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts about this episode. Thank you. You're listening to the Flightpath Podcast. Paz, thank you for taking the time to speak with me. I appreciate it. Now, I wanted to ask you a lot of really heavy questions, some light questions, but before we get into all that fun stuff, I want to know a bit about you. So first of all, how are you? Let's start with that.
1: Yeah, I'm fabulous. I'm fabulous. Thanks for having me.
0: You're doing fabulous. That's good. Okay, Paz, so how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Keep it short. Just what do you do? How do you do it? Why do you do it? Stuff like that.
1: Yeah, definitely can do, Tom. So for me, I found myself at the intersection of building startups with Mm -hmm. founders And building communities uh, for the past six years and so I've grown up in Melbourne and have basically found myself basically building startup communities it's something I'm really passionate about you know helping someone solve a problem create a service or a product and then build a community around them um, that impacts their life has been life-changing and so I've done that for various organizations I've done that for Sisterworks which is a not-for-profit supporting asylum seeker women to build their own businesses I Ran over 10 accelerator programs at RMIT Activator, supporting students, staff, and alumni to, yeah, yeah, create startups and just innovate within the university. And as well, I joined one of Australia's largest startup communities. So they have over 60,000 people in the network. They're called the Startup Network, and I joined them as a community manager to really uh, expand and grow their membership base for supporting founders um, from anyone who just had an idea from in the shower to some of the biggest high growth um, scale-ups of Australia, like Linktree, Upbank, and Who Gives a Crap. And so along that way, I that's, was-
0: That's hilarious because we literally just had an order of Who Gives a Crap. It's at the door right now. I'm not joking. Oh, That's crazy.
1: <laughs> great products. Great products. Yeah, uh, it's toilet completely. paper if anyone yeah. doesn't know what yes. Who Gives a Crap is. Yes. Uh, oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. And I guess- I guess like during, you know, those various roles of being a community manager, building startup communities, uh, you know, throw in a pandemic, like Melbourne was one of the most locked down cities of the world. You know, we did hundreds of days of stage four lockdown with 5k radiuses. And so a lot of businesses and founders felt the impacts as everyone understands. Mm. Um, But so did community managers because founders were relying on us, but there weren't many people who were building communities of founders in melbourne in one of the most lockdown cities in the world it was really niche mm. and so um as a result i started reaching out to community managers i said hey are you having challenges at the moment uh what are you trying to achieve what kind of support are you looking for and how can we help each other and i had about 50 different calls and we organized a meetup group um to wow. actually support one another this was in june 2021 uh, yeah. in between the fourth and fifth Melbourne lockdowns. And we caught up at the Commons in Cremorne with myself and my two co-founders, Melia Rayner and Jala Alex. Mm. And it went viral. And this is oh, how yeah. we accidentally started a business. So oh. we had hundreds of community managers all around Australia and New Zealand uh, sign up through our Airtable registration link to join these support networks. And you know, over a year, it just consistently grew through word of mouth. And uh, July last year in in 2022, I quit my full-time job, registered the community collective as a business and took a punt to co-design an offering that would support more people. And Mm -hmm. so... As a result, we're 18 months in and we've built um, four different oh, offerings. 18
0: months and you've done this much. That's crazy. Yeah. it's oh, uh, It's been amazing.
1: We yeah. we basically spent three months co-designing a program experience for community builders. And we've run it three times now. We have over 116 alumni who've gone through mm. our program. And we also do recruitment, helping companies hire community managers. Mm. And as well, we do consulting to help businesses build a strategy. So it's been wild. You know, we just hired our fourth team member and and it's officially wow. we're here to stay. So wow. now I'm a founder. Yeah. That's uh, a good building your business. Isn't it? Yeah. And on the side I write relaxation music for film and meditation.
0: I I'm I'm blown away, Paz, and like there's a few questions. There's uh, plenty of questions that were just coming into the top of my head. I've thrown away the script. I had a script. I've got a few in my head now. But one of the questions I want to ask you because you said you started your you you started your accidental business, which has now turned into the community collective, as like during the during the lockdowns, as you said, the fourth or the fifth one. Um, were you scared? Are you still scared? Were you scared back then? Was fear ever a thing, or did you just go for it?
1: I would offer a reframe. You know, I think it was it was excitement because I just was connected to so many people who were having so many challenges and just saw an incredible opportunity mm. to support people, mm. also to support myself. You know I was also mm. going through a lot of challenges. i I had a panic attack at one point I was like, "I don't know how to manage this community." And I didn't know who to turn to. I was like, "What is a community manager? Like what yeah. is our job?" Mm. And I guess for people who don't understand what a community manager is, You can kind of think of it like a concierge at a hotel. So a community manager for a business is the first person you meet. They welcome you in, say, take a co-working space as a community manager. They onboard you. They'll show you the desk. They'll organize these weekly lunches. You know, you can ask them for connections and networks. They send all the comms and the emails like they're the beating heart Hmm. of creating a sense of belonging for a group of customers or a group in the business's audience to connect and gain more value and as a result this is beneficial for a business because it increases customer retention increases referrals people feel this like affiliation to the company they become evangelists and advocates and they want to like grow the business together so you know you're creating this like -like cult-like status not actually a cult but like a cult-like status um in the words of tim duggan i was just
0: you keep bringing up things in my room that I was just oh. it's right there <laughs> that's crazy
1: amazing you've got great yeah. taste It's yeah a good book.
0: I appreciate that and uh, it's funny because when you say community managers I was immediately thinking like super fans you know you're you're it's a word I like using you're generating super fans for a business people have like audiences and followers and they think that they've got you know they've got people they could sell to immediately but they have like two or three super fans who would die for the business you know so Would you say you're generating those super fans and that's the job of a community manager to make people into more like loving of the business, if that makes sense?
1: Yeah, definitely makes sense. And that's definitely one responsibility and an outcome of having Hmm. a community manager in a business. Hmm. You know, really a core function of a community manager would be to A, identify if there is an opportunity to build a community for a business. Not all businesses need to have a community, all businesses will have an audience, but This the moment it becomes a community is as soon as you find a way to connect your audience on a regular and consistent basis in order for them to support one another. So instead of a one-to-many communication style, it becomes this many-to-many, you know, audiences and customers can catch up on um, monthly meetups, online networking Mm. conferences annually. And, you know, a community manager will have a very strategic eye. They will be very data-driven and they were focused on creating high growth outcomes for both the members in the community and the business who's investing in the community.
0: I see. That's a great way to put it. Wow. So essential, which is very important. Right. Yeah. I, that, that reminds me like um, I was actually in Melbourne, I think two or three days ago, something like that. Um, and when I was there, I, I wanted to go somewhere to work and I went to the hub, you know, hub Australia, it's just because when you mentioned we work, it just got the wheels turning and, you, you know, you have to pay to be in the hub and everything, but I was like, oh, I'm only here for 40 minutes. And the lady just said, I'll oh, just go in. Even that, that little, you know, little part there made me a fan, you yeah. know? So what you said about cult status and being a community manager, I think that that could translate how important it is as well. But um yeah, so, well, first of all, thank you for introducing yourself. That was a fantastic introduction. And now I want to go on to the challenges you experienced along the way. So you said at one point, I, I'm trying to remember everything you say. It's very hard for me, but um, I'm getting, I'm I'm new to it. But before you mentioned the fact that you had a panic attack because you didn't know how to manage your community at the start, right? And I can imagine that's probably a hard thing to think about. But at the moment, um, how did you get around that? You know, how did, mm. a lot of people a lot of people quit. You know, the, the point I'm trying to get to is a lot of people would quit at that point. You know, it's just, you just started, you know, you just hit a huge wall. You didn't expect it, I would imagine. And then, you know, it all goes to excuse my French shit. So yeah. how get out of it?
1: Yeah, it's really tough. You know, I think the biggest cause was feeling overwhelmed, mm. Um, you know, throw in like eight months of being locked down in a house, living with no one else, working full time from your room and only being able to leave an hour a day and yeah. previously managing a community of, you know, thousands of people predominantly from an in-person co-working space, you know, mm. Before, I would be in the office every day, you see all the members, you're running programs, coffees, lunches, you're you're a team of 25. And then in one moment, you're at home alone, eight months, um, fully moving your whole community online, Mm. when you've never really used Zoom and Miro and all these different tech tools. Mm. So there's a high, high pressure. And as well, I really felt the impacts that our founders were feeling and you know, I did over 300 courtesy calls to members in our community at RMAT Activator yeah. to check in with founders and just say how are you and the stories I heard were why people were closing down their businesses they'd like sold their house and moved elsewhere because they had to some were doing so well that they hired t- so many more team members but just could not keep up with the demand like yeah. and I and I felt you know, I, I really took that on as my own when really, I uh, you know, I shouldn't have taken on their problems as my own. Um, but I think, you know, at that point in my career, I was, yeah, just caught up in that. So yeah, that brought me a lot of overwhelm and anxiety because not one person can solve the problems of thousands of founders during a pandemic. So.
0: Well, that reputation I- foregoes you as well, because like what you said about taking people's problems on as your own, um, can make you look like a nice person right and I imagine that you are and what's funny and the reason I say this and the reason I interrupt is because plenty of people I spoke to a few people before we had this podcast and I mentioned you I was like oh, I'm going to be interviewing Paz and they're like oh Paz Pazarski is that how you pronounce your name by the way So I that it yeah they're like she's wonderful she's such a lovely person she's happy she's bright stuff like that so just adding to your point it really foregoes you reputation wise
1: oh I appreciate that that's so that's so nice <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate that. And and I, yeah, and I guess to answer your question of like, how did I deal with that? Hmm. Well, one, you got to like feel the feels like hmm. I did a lot of journaling, like almost just like write out. Okay. Like what is causing me so much stress and overwhelm and then really like get it out of your head. Hmm. You know, I was, I was speaking to friends and family at the time, um, but then I wanted to get help from people who had been and faced these types of challenges before. So I did lots of Google searching. I just said, community manager support you know and i found communities in america i found communities also in australia but there wasn't anything that really resonated that was for community managers in the startup space like in Mm. melbourne Mm. so then i just thought okay i've got to find people who are experiencing similar challenges to me. So I reached out to my own network. I said, Hey, do you know any other community builders in the startup space based in Melbourne at the moment? And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. Here's this person, this person, this person, this person. And honestly, it was like the most helpful thing because I then caught up with all these people and just felt heard Mm. and seen and not alone. And then we bound together and supported one another. So uh, I hate to say it, but community was my approach <laughs> to helping me get out of that situation and learn yeah. and grow. You know, yeah. I just started meditating. Um, yeah, I yeah, learned Vedic that meditation that changed my entire life. So I meditate twice a day every day for you the still past do? three years. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so Vedic meditation, yeah, Eastern um, technique from India, it changed my life.
0: Yeah, it's funny how many people instantly you know and I don't know I'm I don't know the word. I'm 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 reading the dictionary, I'm trying to learn more words. It's it's hard, you know, it's a big book. But um oh, that was this word where people are I, I want to say reprehensible. People find meditation and yoga and stuff like that reprehensible, but people forget that it's incredibly good for as you said for your mindset, for your discipline and everything like that. And um speaking of discipline, would you say you're a disciplined person?
1: I'm so self-disciplined. Is that a new um, skill or an old skill? I learned that through classical Suzuki guitar training. Um, I would definitely put down having high grit, stamina, and discipline Mm. um, down to learning a musical instrument since I was four years old.
0: Right. So speaking of discipline, what time did you wake up this morning? On the spot. Test, test, alert. I got up at
1: 5.52 a.m. I spoke at a conference this morning in London at 6.10 a.m. So it was... um, Mm.
0: How am I the one drinking coffee? and you're not? I'm confused. Uh, uh. <laughs> I've been messing this up the whole interview. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right, well, beautiful, beautiful. So um, you seem pretty busy, right? I, I'd imagine you definitely are. And yeah, you, you know you said you said, I can't remember exactly how many months you started your business, but it was recent, right? It was quite recent. So when you first began and you started getting more and more meetings, and i'd I'd imagine you were pretty good with it because you had community management experience in the past. But you moved to online. So how did you manage your time? How did you how do you not you know fall victim to the comfort of being at home, being able to sleep in, or were you just disciplined and that just you just kept treating it like a normal workday? How'd you get mm, through?
1: It? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I've learned one from supporting so many founders over the years, and then also being a founder, hmm. uh, the biggest thing I would bring it down to is is probably three things. One, you have to have a strategy. Hmm. You need to have your North star for what the hell you are supposed to be focusing on that will drive business growth and deliver impact for your members So sitting down and having a strategy day and fully dictating like, what is our North Star metric? What are the three goals we want to achieve in the next six months? What are the three metrics that ladder up to those individual goals that will tell us if we're on track or not? And then every month I'm going to report on the goals and the metrics to keep me accountable to understand if I'm getting there. Hmm. Like that has been the biggest beating heart. And then you know, I put it as a Monday reoccurring weekly invite in my calendar, which is to set my priorities for the week. And it has our strategy in there. So that I'm constantly reminded of it. I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. So that helps me make decisions. Wonderful. Number two, as you know, how do you deal with so so many competing priorities um, is making sure you have incredible support networks around you. So I have a board of five advisors Um, For the community collective, Melia, Jala, Kim, Ben and Dan, Mm -hmm. um, they are paramount to helping me grow because I don't have all the skills. I don't have all the knowledge. I have the drive and the passion and the time and the dedication and the discipline, but I need to surround myself with people who are 10, 20, 30 years ahead of where I am now to continuously learn and just course correct and keep me on track. I see. So- Number one, strategy. Number two, advisors. Number three is having very clear boundaries because the lesson that I learned time and time again is you kind of become a founder and you're like, sky's the limit. I can do anything. And and mm. I also really enjoyed what I was working on, but I just ran myself to the ground. I was working so much mm. and I also didn't tone down the other areas of my life, mm. um, which I didn't have um, full perspective on. And now I I can understand what I have capacity for, um, but I overcommitted myself. I wanted to do too much in short amounts of time in all areas of my life. And I burnt out and that was at the end of last year. And so now having very clear boundaries of like, these are my set working hours. These I take off at least two to three months off a year, which is crazy. Um, but that time off keeps me driven during the time on. And then when I'm off, I recharge and actually gain a lot more perspective so having clear boundaries of what i work on when i work and who i work with and what i say yes and no to Mm. keeps me on top of competing priorities and being busy
0: yeah wonderful have you heard of that principle hell yeah or no no oh well it's basically either something is hell yes i'll go do it or it's absolutely not
1: oh yeah. yeah yeah it's an old principle oh yeah
0: now, um, as we as we mentioned before, you are busy. Thanks for explaining all that. But what I wanted to know specifically, what are the three apps? And I ask everybody this. What are the three apps you find the most important with your business and personal life? If you could think of three, like, for example, Slack, Google Calendar, and like Spark email, something like that.
1: Mm, yeah, I love this. Very practical. Mm. Um, the three tech tools that I could not live without are Superhuman.
0: Mm. It
1: is a tech tool created in America to help you manage your inbox. So I get... Awesome hundreds of emails a week and it just helps me get back to everyone and stay responsive and not feel overwhelmed and drowning in my inbox. So they are number one. Number two is Todoist. Uh, They are, yeah, productivity platform basically helps me create a to-do list and I can schedule when to do tasks, which is just great. So that's the second one. And then the third one is, Airtable. I've built an entire business on Airtable. It's like our calendars. It's operational processes. They are um, all of the data that we ever have. It's a CRM forms, calendar, project planner. I just, I use it for everything.
0: Why'd you choose Airtable and not like monday.com or Notion? Curious about this.
1: Well, at the time of starting the community collective with Melia and Jala, they were really skilled in Airtable and vouched for it. So I was like, great, let's do that.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Airtable's fun. I, I can't, I can't figure it out. But yeah, <laughs> but um, wonderful, wonderful. Okay, cool. And I'm assuming you just run your calendar off like Google Calendar and it just like sort itself out that way. You don't have any like special AI tools to mix everything together, stuff like that?
1: Just Google Calendar and I do a lot of scheduling and reminder reminders in our like business calendar. Mm-hmm. So like Monthly meetup on the first Wednesday of every month. We send our newsletter on the first day of every month. We do mm. our GBU advisor update on the seventh of every month. So, uh, yeah, I use calendars as those kind of recurring um, tasks to keep on top of.
0: Well, speaking of AI, what have you, has AI implemented your business at all? You know, from when it started, when the boom happened to all the way from now? Do you use it positively? Is it a negative? I love from that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. AI has been phenomenal. I have been waiting for something like this. I remember actually meeting a founder two years ago that um, basically was was like a version of ChatGPT. And I was like, this oh, is wow. incredible. Yeah. And so it's like full mainstream now, which is awesome to see. And so, yeah, I use ChatGPT, AI, gener- oh, I use a lot of generative AI daily, hmm. um, basically to help me synthesize a lot of data um, I get a lot of feedback from members, a lot of pulse check surveys, feedback forms. So I would import a lot of data into, say, something like ChatGPT or barred by Google and have it summarize points for me and key action items. It helps me come up with new event ideas, helps me write better email taglines um, that I could ever come up with. And so, yeah, I use it daily. I actually wrote a full article about how community builders can use AI in their roles and interviewed um, over 15 different community builders and understood how they are using it. So I'll, I'll share the link with you for- I'll be you. sure to link it yeah. in the description. Yeah, yeah, go for it.
0: Okay. So you're a musician, right? And you enjoy it. It's your, it's your passion, right? It's not It's not a job. It's a passion. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. So how do you, because I struggle with this myself, how do you stop your music from becoming a job? And how do you keep it a hobby and a passion?
1: Mm, Yeah, I've seen a lot of creatives Mm. um, fall down that path of when you put too much pressure on your own creativity to be monetized and become a business, you can, well, it starts to become really stressful. You know, you're doing it full-time, you're monetizing it, you're quantifying your creativity and you're putting a lot of pressure to um, drive revenue. So that can, you know, stagnate the passion that you have for it, because now you're doing it full time. And actually now in your spare time, you want to do something completely different. Mm. So for context, I started playing um, guitar from when I was four years old. I've been Suzuki. I, I've been classically trained by the Suzuki method, which is a Japanese style of learning an instrument um in Australia with one of the yeah country's best guitar teachers. So I learned with her for about 20 years. And and um studied in spain for a year to learn flamenco guitar and oh my god i I wish
0: i could play it oh it's so beautiful it's amazing would it be would it be bad if i asked you if you could play some now or would that be too much
1: oh i don't have my um guitar set up with the mic at the moment i will send with you yeah yeah (laughs) pass it over i'll um i'll send you some of um my music online you can have a listen i
0: would love to yeah and i'll put that in the description again because flamenco is awesome and it's one of those those, you know you can play at any instance no matter what club you're at no matter what place you're at and then any everyone's going to jam along to it
1: exactly exactly play
0: metallica at a jazz club you know so it's stunning it's stunning
1: and i think um you know one of the things that i learned from from music at an early age was you know i had to make a decision at one point i was like do i want to do this full time and i Mm. looked at the musicians who was 10 20 years ahead of me and their lives and I just thought no, I don't. I don't actually want to be doing that. I don't want to be playing gigs full time and yeah. constantly releasing music, um, a lot of travel. So instead, I decided to yeah, always have it as a side business. Hmm. Um, but I, I did sign with a label in Brisbane in twenty twenty one, and yeah. I I continue to write um, music across four different alias um, accounts and release oh' that, that would have been stressful, yeah, online. Oh yeah. no, it's not stressful. No? You just bulk record twice a year and schedule about six months of music.
0: Yeah. yeah, I had um I had a similar problem um so well not a problem but I I had a problem um related to that. So I started music while I was in school um so I graduated in 2019 and when what I noticed and the reason I bring this up is because when I started and I really attacked it like it was all I did. Right. So grades dropped, everything like that, but I attacked it. And it went it actually went really well. So I'm really happy with it. And um it's still up and it still goes okay, which is good. But the issue I noticed is that while I was attacking music, everyone was like, Oh, what about the money? Where's the money? And then when I started attacking business, everyone was like, Where's the music? You know what I mean? So did you ever get that sort of criticism or was everyone pretty supportive from the get go?
1: Everyone was pretty supportive. I think from the music side, you know, because I decided this is not going to be a full-time business. It just mm. became, you know, a really creative outlet for me. I do it when I feel fueled too. And when the business is going, when the community collective is growing really quickly, I'll I'll park the music for a little bit, but then when it's a bit quieter, I'll book in more weddings and gigs and, and play concerts and things mm. like that. But I do that to fuel me and the people around me have, have been very, very supportive. If anything, my own, my biggest critic was my own internal criticism. When I, wasn't sure if I wanted it to go one way or another and I'd be like oh you know why aren't you making consistent passive income or why aren't you booking these big gigs and you know but when I kind of dropped the pressure of it becoming that full-time business that that talk just disintegrated as well
0: nice well question if 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 life went the other way right? So if, if everything flipped around and today we're in an alternate universe where you were a big musician, you know, big, big music. Um, I, I I wanted to say movie star, but I had the wrong word in my head, musician. Right. And, um, it all went that way and community collective didn't exist. Business didn't exist. It was just music and business in that genre. Right. Would you, do you, do you reckon you'd be happy?
1: I mean, if I was playing concerts in Spain along the coast and, uh, releasing a couple vinyls every year and and I was fulfilled and happy with the people around me, then yeah, I I think that that sounds freaking amazing. Uh, It does. It does. It went that way. Amazing. But the thought of the community collective not existing makes me really sad because of all the stories of how many lives it's impacted um, for the better.
0: And that's why I ask. That's, that's actually why I ask. Because again, I, I, I feel as though you have this fire in you that, that is only fueled by, influencing the masses but positively like you did before and again you could do that in music but i feel like if you didn't have your business and you weren't doing that as well and you didn't have an equal mix of both i don't know i feel like you'd be happy but you wouldn't be fulfilled do you Mm.
1: agree yeah yeah it's interesting it's an interesting take i think there's elements of i love having the both because Mm. writing music use a uses a completely different aspect of my brain than it does working on the community collective and like executing uh, a strategy so I love the balance of the two
0: well the reason I ask Paz is because a lot of people especially nowadays especially people my age right um, they seem to be struggling with you know oh, that imposter syndrome like you've got people online who are rich and have Bugattis and cars and Lamborghinis and people making music and people performing on stage and that's always been the case but it's never been so readily accessible like it is now where you could just fire up your phone as the first thing you see right and again the reason I ask is because if you if you were making music you're also trying to start a business and you see these people so far ahead in music and so far ahead in business you naturally feel like ah oh, i should drop music i wish i'd just put everything into business and just give up on music mm-hmm. and I, when i did that for example i gave up on guitar and i completely forgot how to play guitar i suck now right mm-hmm. so it's the same thing so i would love to know your advice to that that person who's sitting in their room right now who's in like a Double entendre. they've got their laptop in one hand where they've got this Shopify store or this business that they've started up, and they've got their piano and the, like on on they've got their hands on the keys. What would your advice to that person be? Keep going with both or focus on one.
1: Mm. Well, I read a really beautiful quote, which is, "You can have everything you want in your life just not all at once. I love that. you know you can have everything that you want in your life, just not all at once. And what I take away from this quote is that we can be everything that we dream to be, that Mm. we aspire to have. Mm. We just can't get so caught up in doing everything all the time right now in the immediate future, Mm. because that causes the stress, that causes the self-talk that causes the burnout and the overwhelm and the panic attacks, you know, but when you realize that I think you should have seasons in your life where you have um, a core focus and a priority. You know, the past year and a half, two years, the community collective has been my priority. And for the next two to five years, the community collective will be my priority because that's where I'm needed. But it doesn't mean I fully neglect and stop doing the music. And so where my tangible advice comes in here is build daily Habits, you know. I, I remember uh, you being really curious about how do you actually make time to practice. How do you just not forget to do that? Where do you find the inspiration, motivation when you're so busy and in, in mm. so many other areas of your life? Absolutely. And it's finding the things that fuel you. So, for example, I run a business full time. Um, I have a life outside of that as well, and then I have a music business. And the only thing that will get me to practice is when I book in a gig and I got asked to play at a friend's wedding. Um, I sent them a list of songs. They chose the three songs and then I'm practicing and I'm practicing for them, but I'm practicing for myself. Hmm. Uh, Whereas if I didn't book any gigs in, uh, like I would very rarely pick up the guitar. So I know what works for me. So my habit of booking in a gig every two months will give me, Enough dose of motivation and inspiration to keep playing the guitar and never drop that skill.
0: I see. Okay, Paz. winding back to the start, right? You just started. It's it's twelve months ago. Uh, how how many months ago was it since Community Collective? I'm a little rusty.
1: I founded it as a company in 2022, last year. But then it started as a meetup group in June
0: 2021. Okay, so in June 2021, what would what do you wish you knew? What would what would what would Paz now tell Paz then?
1: Hmm. I think if I had my time again to build a business, what I wish I knew is to make sure that you prioritize yourself. I think when you start a business, it's very easy to prioritize everything else before your own well-being and your own energy because it's freaking exciting and it's invigorating and it's inspiring and it's growing and Mm. there's interest and demand you know what's unique about my experience is that we kind of struck a chord with a group of people that we didn't expect to take off and it's grown so well that I've quit my job and have been building this to keep up with the demand like Mm. it was never my decision to be a founder or build a company but I couldn't not support the people, but I, I wish that I prioritize myself more. So the best thing I did was I wrote a list of my top five priorities in my life. Mm-hmm. And number one is Paz, <laughs> me, yeah, if yeah. I'm not energized, fulfilled and well-rested, I can't do anything else in my yeah, life yeah, to support others. Terrible. Then it's my family, mm-hmm. my partner, my friends mm-hmm. and um, my business. There's a lot of priorities that come before my business and I have to remember that because I can't sacrifice my own life, my own happiness as a founder at the expense of building a business. So always make time for yourself, have those boundaries um, and just enjoy the ride.
0: That's wonderful advice, Paz. Okay, we'll cut it there because I know you have a meeting, right? I know you have a meeting in a few minutes. I don't want to make you late, uh, but it's been wonderful. I've really enjoyed this. This has been one of the most insightful episodes we've done, I think, and I'm looking forward to having this out to the internet so everyone can see it.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Tom. I'm so, yeah, Chuff, you're such a great presenter and you talk so well. <laughs> um, you have a really great, like, tone of voice I it. well. That. Um, so, yeah, you're just born for podcast interviews.
0: Oh, my God my heart thank you (laughs) I appreciate that Paz it means a lot